The Lord is here today. Amen? Amen. Well, two weeks ago, if you remember, uh, Pastor Cheryl did an amazing, spectacular, Holy Spirit-filled uh, job doing a, a sermon about Shifra and Puah. Did she not? Amen. And thank you, thank you, Cheryl, for the $5 you gave me to say that. No, it's, it's true, though. Uh, what she said about uh, our text exchange about that is, is true. When I told her that I'd like her to preach about something from the Old Testament and then uh, to preach about a, a strong woman uh, in the Old Testament. Uh, but what she doesn't know is that I was only halfway joking when I told her to, to preach about Shifra and Puah. And uh, see, she asked me, well, who in particular do you want me to preach about? And and I just did a quick Google search, strong women of the Old Testament. And their names came up, and I had never heard of them before. And I said, why don't you preach about them? <laughs> and she did it. So uh, I had heard about them. I would heard about these midwives, these Hebrew midwives before. But I guess I had missed their name in the process. But uh, she did a great job with that. We quickly realized, though, that there was a lot to their story. And uh, uh, she brought us that message about the obedience to the Lord. And if you missed it, you should go back. You should listen to that. It's a couple weeks ago. And while you're at it, listen to the testimony of our teenagers from last week. Wow. You're going to be blessed. You're going to be blessed if you listen to them as well. So uh, Cheryl introduced a, a term to us, a concept called easer. If you remember that, Shifra and Puah were Ezer women. Ezer means the ones who help. Ezer is a Hebrew term. It's used 22 times in the Old Testament. We find it the very first time in, in Genesis chapter 2, in the very beginning of the Bible, when it refers to Eve as Adam's helper. Genesis uh, chapter 2, verse 18 says this, The Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone, so I will make a helper, a helper that is suitable for him. I will make him a helper. Now I think, though, what we have done with this interpretation of this word, helper, has been incorrect. The, the word helper is not meant to be Somebody that's uh, subservient. It's not meant to be a subordinate. Eve is referred to as the helper, the easer to Adam twice. Three times the word easer is used to describe powerful countries that were called upon to, to help the nation of Israel when they were under attack. And the rest of the times it was used to refer to God himself who was called to help mankind. And what tradition has done is, is take this word easer and tone it down when we talk about Eve. Tradition kind of has made Eve maybe even second fiddle to Adam, maybe a little bit lower, a little bit inferior, a lower rank than him. But if we look and we compare the exact same word that God used about Eve when it's used in the other times of the Bible, we don't come to that conclusion. See, when God called upon powerful nations to save Israel, he wasn't calling on somebody that was inferior or outranked or second rate. If we were refer to God, if we look at those times where God was called the easer helper, we're not calling on somebody lesser than, are we? We're not calling on somebody that's substandard. It's completely opposite, in fact. So the term easer, our helper, it's not, a, it's not an inferior term at all because in every single usage, if we look at that, it's at least an equal. But it's also could be even superior term. So perhaps the, the better translation of that easer, an easer person, an easer helper would be that person that's called upon to rescue you when you have no clue what's going on in your own life. And that your life would be such a mess if that person wasn't provided for you, if that person didn't come into your life to swoop down and to rescue you. And so Genesis chapter 2 verse 18 reads differently if we think about it that way. 
It's not good for a man to be alone, so I will make a helper suitable for him. And God could even add in there, because if I don't, he's going to mess things up really, really bad. That's, the, that's kind of the, the thought behind Ezer, behind, behind Eve. Eve was not submiss- the submissive helper to Adam. She was created so that things weren't going to get even worse than they could have been if she didn't exist. But Eve isn't the only Ezer helper. As we look in the, in the Bible, as we look at all these other strong personalities in the Bible, we see that the Shifra and Puah are two Ezer women that are, they're strong and they're brave women. And they had this proper sense of, of justice to do the right thing, even when it was difficult to do. Imagine, though, how things would have been different. And, and Pastor Cheryl alluded to this, but how, how would things have been different if Shifra and Puah weren't called to help out the Israelite people? Imagine if they didn't exist. Hundreds, thousands, perhaps hundreds of thousands of Hebrew baby boys would have been killed. There would have been no Moses. Imagine how things would have been different, gentlemen, if God hasn't placed in your life a strong, easer, justice-minded woman in your life. I know you, and I know that our lives would be messed up if God didn't place that person in our life. And so as Cheryl and I were researching Shifra and Puah, these two easer women, I realized that God has placed these easer helpers, these strong women of faith all around us. Just look at PFN. You, you heard that masterful sermon by Cheryl a couple weeks ago. Uh, we're going to hear from Pastor Shauna. She preaches on VBS Sunday. Right around the corner, you're going to hear from Pastor Rebecca and Pastor Kel- Callie and Pastor Shelby as well. And we can't forget Pastor Greta and Pastor Irene. Just, how think, just think how messed up it would be if God only put Jake and I here. You're right? We need them, right? We need these strong, justice-minded women to help lead our church, and I'm thankful that we have them. Amen? One of the, at, one of the, at NYC, one of the pastors there reminded us when he said in the church of Nazarene since the beginning we have always believed that when Jesus calls people into ministry he's waving to the ladies and the gentlemen God is not calling past you ladies Jesus is calling all of us all of us have that same calling to be an easier helper to be an easier person so I felt the need to kind of change my sermon schedule around some, and we're going to have these preaching opportunities for the strong women of faith, the strong women of PFN to, uh, to preach and to bring God's word and over the next few months, and, and they get to preach about whatever they would like to preach about, but in between then, I thought it would be good, it'd be, a, be fun if we spent some time learning about some of these other easier women in the Bible. And so we're going to look at Rahab and Deborah and Abigail and Esther. Because what God was doing through these women and through Shifra and Puah is not just a lesson for the ladies. It's a lesson for all of us, all of mankind. And so today we're going to start with Rahab. And if you know anything about Rahab, it may seem like a strange choice to start with on baptism weekend. (laughs) Rahab's story is an interesting one. Rahab's story has everything in it that, that Hollywood would want in, the, in this blockbuster story, this great adventure story. There's spies, there's danger, there's evil henchmen, there's a beautiful woman, daring escape, secret deals, all of it's in this story. Rahab's story is found in the second chapter in the Old Testament book of Joshua. And so uh, if you have your Bibles with you, why don't you go ahead and turn there? the second chapter of Joshua. Um, We're going to read part of that story. Joshua is the sixth book in the Old Testament. You have Genesis, 
Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and then Joshua. Okay, so Joshua chapter 2. Of course, the, the context of Rahab's story exists long before she existed. A couple of weeks ago, Cheryl was telling you about the time that the Israelite people were in slavery in Egypt. Moses, who was saved by our uh, heroines in Cheryl's uh, message, Moses goes on to lead the entire nation of Israel out of captivity and into the promised land. That's the book of Exodus. But during this time, God Uh, takes care of the Israelite people and he instructs them to live righteous lives and he shows them how they should follow him and some do well but most don't. That's Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. So long story short, after 40 years of walking around through the wilderness, Moses dies and Joshua is appointed the new leader and God has finally brought Israel to the Jordan River. And they can look across and see the promised land, the land that he had given them already, the land called Canaan. It's where the modern-day Israel or the West Bank, portions of Lebanon and southern Syria are today. This is the region that they were at. But there's a problem. God has led them all the way up into the promised land, but the problem is there's already people living there. And they're not good people. They were bad people. They were people that had adopted this pagan form of worship. And people practiced all sorts of debauchery and uh, even child sacrifice. And so if the Israelite people are going to inhabit the promised land that God had given them and make it what God had planned for them, the people that were living there needed to be removed. And so God instructs Joshua and the Israelite people to make their way into Canaan and destroy everything. Basically wipe the place completely clean. Start fresh. Now it seems harsh here, but but God knows this is the only way that his people aren't going to fall under the influence of the pagan practices. And Joshua has received this call from, from God and, uh, to go into the land that God has promised to take it for yourself. And he wants to be this good leader. He's following the footsteps of Moses and he wants to be a good leader. And he knows that if he's going to be a good leader, he needs to show courage. But he also needs to show wisdom. And so he needs to know, what am I, what am I sending my people into? What are we, what are we getting ourselves into? And See, the Israelites are still on the east side of the Jordan River. They're not yet into the promised land. And he's working out, what do I do next? What's the plan? So before embarking on this campaign of war, he decides that he's going to find out what's going on there in the promised land. And so he picks out a couple spies to check things out. And so here comes our adventure. The spies are sent to to look beyond the mountains. What is over there? Well, just over the mountains is a city called Jericho. Jericho is this fortified city, and it it stands there at the the entrance to this land, and it's it's a fortress of a city. It's designed to keep all invaders out, but it's more than that. This city stands for everything that that country was. Jericho is a corrupt city, and it stands for this corrupt land. It's a sin-filled city, just like all of Canaan was sin-filled. And at the center of our story today is a person that we could say is kind of the poster child of all of the things that were bad and wrong in this city. And her name is Rahab. And Rahab was a prostitute. See, the two spies make their way into the city of Jericho. And I don't even think they were really good spies. These weren't even James Bond-worthy spies because they were found out almost as soon as they got into the city. They were recognized as as Israelites. The king was told all about it, and 
But in the meantime, they have found a very convenient place to hide. They're in Rahab's house, which most likely was a brothel. But then the story starts to get even more interesting. The king sends out his counterintelligence squad to bring these spies in, and the intelligence is really good. They know exactly where to go. They know to the house where to go and find these two spies. And so the king's team goes directly to Rahab's house. And at this stage, you would say, well, it's over. They're goners. All is lost. But Rahab has a surprise for them and a surprise for us. So here Rahab is, a sinner, just about as bad as it gets. Yet something has been going on in her mind. Something has been stirring in her heart. See, she's heard about the Israelites already. She's already heard about their God. And some people even believe at this point she's already a believer. And so she covers for these two spies. See, while the spies were hiding on the roof, she, she tells the king's men who had come that, oh, they've already left already. No, they aren't here. They were. They were here. She wasn't denying that, but they have left. But, and if you hurry, if you go right now and chase after them, you just might catch up to them. Go back to the Jordan River. And so off the king's men go. And as soon as they go outside of the city gates, the city gates are brought closed and locked. And so I want to join this story here, Joshua chapter 2. And we're going to start at verse 8. And I want you to hear these words of Rahab herself because she is going to make this huge statement of faith. A sinner, a prostitute is teaching us today about that magnificence of God. Verse 8, before the spies lay down for the night, she went up to the roof and she said to them, I know that the Lord is giving you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Sion and Og, the two kings of the Amorites, Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard it, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. I want to look at these words for, from Rahab this morning because she tells us some things about God that we, got to, we have to learn as well. First, she tells us about the might of God. She tells these spies, your story has already beaten you here. We already know all about you. We already know all about this God that you serve. We know what God has already done. We know what he's done to rescue his people. We've heard these stories. We know what he did 40 years ago for you and when he parted the Red Sea. And more recently, we've heard the stories of how he helped you destroy these two kings and their kingdoms. We know just how strong God is. And we know that God is going to give you this land too. We know, she says, it's just going to be a matter of time. We know that God is more powerful than any of the gods that people here worship. So it's, but it's more than God's power that she realizes. She also tells us about the majesty of God. She acknowledges that the God of the Israelites is different than the gods that the people in that land were worshiping. There, there were these different gods, depending on what region you went to, people worshiped this God here and, and, and this God there and another God in another town. And each place or region had its own God and people followed that God. But look what she says in verse 11. Your God indeed is God in heaven above and on the earth below. See this sinner Rahab knows 
She understands the majesty of God. She knows that God rules over all creation. And she tends to, she's getting something else that, that maybe even the spies weren't understanding. She's tending to understand that this powerful God also has a merciful side to him. See, she trusts that God is a merciful God, and and so she asks these spies to spare her, to spare her family when they come back and they conquer this city. Look at verse 12. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them and that you will save us from death. Now think about what she just said. Think about this statement for for a moment. First of all, she has no room to assume God's mercy at all, right? She runs a brothel. Who is she to talk about the mercy of God? She's a woman of sin, right? Who is she to request mercy Well, she understands God better than we do sometimes, doesn't she? We know very little about this conversion of of Rahab, but traditional Jewish literature says that she was probably about 50 years old and she had already been a prostitute for 40 years. However she converted, we know that she knows that God is, is a God in heaven and over the entire earth. And she also knows that God is a God of forgiveness and mercy. She knew God is a God of mercy. You and I, we've all benefited from the mercy of God, whether we know it or whether we realize it. Rahab knew it. Rahab was living it. Secondly, she... She lived in a house that scripture says was actually built into the wall of that city. The wall that surrounds Jericho, her house was inside the wall. Now, cities at that time would have these huge walls built around them to keep all the invaders out. And and there were typically a, a few gates in that city that were opened up so people could come and go. But in times of war, those gates would close and nobody could get in and nobody could get out. And this wall around Jericho was especially large. It, it was vast. It was virtually impenetrable. And the city wall of Jericho had withstood other uh, assaults before. Nobody had destroyed Jericho. Yet Rahab had no doubt. Her faith was large enough that she knew there was nothing that could be done. Those walls were not going to withstand this God. God was going to win. God was going to succeed in taking this city. Why? She told these spies, I know what's going to happen. Because if God is with you, this wall has no hope. The city of Jericho is, is doomed against your God. Your God is too strong. Your God is too powerful. He is the true God. And if he's with you, nothing is going to stand in your way. See, we don't know if Rahab had converted to following God fully at this point, but it's a pretty good statement of faith at this point, if you ask me. I think she had a pretty good idea of who God is. Don't we need that kind of faith when we face things in our lives? If God is for us, nothing is going to stand against us. Nothing. Well, the men make her a promise. Look at this, verse 14. They say, our lives for your lives, the men answered her. If you don't tell what we are doing, then we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us this land. So she let them down by a rope through the window for the house she lived in was part of the city wall. She said to them, go to the hills so the pursuers will not find you. Hide yourselves there for three days until they return and then go to your, on your way. Now the men had said to her, this oath you made us, this oath you made us swear will not be binding on us. Unless when we enter this land, you have tied the scarlet cord in the window 
through which you let us down. And unless you have brought your father and your mother, your brothers, and all of your family into your house, if any of them go outside of your house into the street, their blood will be on their heads. We're not responsible. As for those who are in the house with you, their blood will be on our head if a hand is laid on them. But if you tell what we are doing, we're going to be released from the oath that you made us swear. Agreed, she replied. Let it be as you say. And so she sent them away. And these spies departed and she tied that scarlet cord in the window of her house. And she and her family will be safe as long as they are inside the house and as long as she hangs the scarlet cord from the window. The scarlet cord. See, this story of Rahab, this easer helper to the Israelite people is a, is a powerful story of faith. Yet there's something here that, that God has placed yet another one of his stamps on to, to let you know that he was there and that he is in control of this story. I want you to think a moment about that scarlet cord. Maybe it reminds you of something. I don't, I don't think it's a chance, by chance that God had the spies tell her to hang a scarlet cord from her window. A red colored cord would be hung from the window of Rahab's home. Forty years before, when God was preparing for the escape of all of his people from slavery, what did they put on their doorposts? It wasn't a scarlet cord, but it was a scarlet blood of a perfect lamb. I don't know for sure, but, but is this scarlet cord meant to remind us of the grace of God? How God has rescued all of his people from the bonds of slavery was a condition for their survival. Back in the Passover, back when they were in Egypt, as the angel of death passed over the land, the condition for their survival was they had to be in the house where the doorpost was covered by the blood, the scarlet blood of the lamb. It seems to me that, that God is providing maybe an echo to that rescue in the rescue of Rahab and her family. And just as the Israelites were safe within the houses there in Egypt with the blood on the door, so Rahab's family would be safe inside her home with a cord on the window. See, Jericho is going to be destroyed. It is going to be fully destroyed. And the wall is going to collapse. Except for a small section where Rahab's house was. All of it would be destroyed. <clears throat> except where the scarlet cord was hanging out of the window, which was set apart by the grace of God. Jericho itself is to be set apart. Jericho, the city, is supposed to be holy. It's supposed to be, it's going to be made a place devoted to God, just as the land of Israel would be set apart as a place where God's blessing, is, as a place where his protection could be enjoyed forever. And so in a way, Rahab's family were the were the first to enjoy that protection and the blessings that the whole nation of Israel is going to enjoy. And we mustn't forget that you and I have been brought in this pattern of salvation as well through the blood of Jesus Christ so that we too can enjoy God's blessings, so that we too can enjoy his protection, so that we too can be part of a safe house, the church of Jesus Christ. We remain safe as long as we are firmly rooted in our faith in Jesus. And along the way, God is continually calling these easier people, these easier helpers to help along the way, to be set apart for his glory. Men and women that are called to advance the kingdom of God. 
That call isn't limited to those that he's called the full-time ministry. That call's not reserved for me. It's not reserved for any other pastor on our staff. It's a call to everyone. It's a call for the entire church. We are to be easer helpers like Rahab. Strong, brave men and women with a strong sense of justice to do the right thing, even if it's difficult. And Rahab, just like Shipra and and Puah, were faithful followers of God who are going to stand for what's right, even if it risks their life. They're going to stand up for God. That's the call that he has on our life as well. It's our call to stand up for God, even when it's difficult, even when it's hard, even when it's risky. Today, we have three that are are publicly testifying that they are not citizens of this world anymore. They are citizens of heaven. And through a public baptism, they're testifying of what God has already done inside of them. And it was a couple weeks ago, we were on our way to a beach in Tampa, Florida, after this incredible week at NYC, and all of us had been moved by God that week. We had experienced him. And Carol and I were in the car, and we were headed to the beach with Bill and Michelle Ferris. We were following the buses that were filled with all of our students and sponsors. Bill said he he didn't think that he was going to get as much out of that experience at NYC as he did. But then he watched you guys, he watched our teens become blessed every single service. And that is infectious, people. That is infectious. When you see someone else become blessed, you can't help but to be blessed yourself. And so he felt that pull of God on his life and his heart, and Michelle did as well. And they said, you know what, Pastor? We were going to talk to you about being baptized. Well, Michelle and Bill, just so happens we have a whole ocean (laughs) behind us. How about today? Let's do it, Pastor. Let's do this. And so Bill and Michelle Ferris testified that their life wasn't their own anymore. Their life belonged to Jesus, and the entire world needs to know. And as we were literally battered by those waves, We gathered and quite the crowd started to gather around us. What is going on in the middle of the ocean? Michelle and Bill were publicly baptized as their statement of faith. Amen. Yep. It It was an incredible, incredible day. It was also able to baptize uh, Jonathan Mata. He's uh, the son of uh, Laura Mata. She's a pastor in Moline, and I've known Jonathan since he was like this old, and so I was able to baptize him as well. But uh, I, I told Michelle, I've, I've never lost somebody in a baptism, but as Michelle went under the water, the undertow just kind of <laughs> took her away, <laughs> and I had to kind of chase her a little bit there, but... Uh, she was ready to go. She... So Bill and Michelle and the three here today are publicly saying that their life isn't their own. Their life is owned by someone else. Their life belongs to the Lord. I'm so excited to be baptizing three more friends today. And so folks, when 10 or nine, I think, almost 10-year-old Noah comes up out of the water, do not think of him as a kid in kid zone. Think of one who has been called and set apart for God's kingdom. Think of Noah as the warrior that he is. Think of him and the part that he gets to play an entire lifetime set apart for God and his kingdom. When Julie and Kevin Bermigio emerged from the water today, they do so set apart as easer helpers for mankind. Strong and brave and ready to do battle with the forces of this world. 
See, the lowering of that scarlet cord out of Rahab's window didn't save her. The blood on the doorposts of the Israelites didn't save them. The water doesn't change us. The faith in Jesus does. This is their new beginning. And you get to be part of that with them this morning. Watch this video. I was knee deep in my failures. But now the waters of change wash over my head. I do this because I know who I am. I do this because I'm forgiven. I do this because he rose. I know no water can change me, but this water is a sign that change has occurred in my heart. My life will never be the same. So now I'm proclaiming it to the world. And just as Jesus was buried, I will be buried. Just as Jesus rose, I will rise. Faith, hope, love, none are greater than these. I have faith that Jesus is who he says he is. I have hope in his resurrection and his everlasting power. His endless love has forever changed my life. you to warrior Noah this morning. Amen. There you go. If you remember, Noah was uh, one that helped us in our Tenebrae service on, uh, on Good Friday. He did such a wonderful job and I'm so excited when uh, Pastor Shauna told me that uh, he was wanting to be baptized. Pastor Shauna. So this is my friend Noah Griffith. And Noah is here today because his friend Bo invited him to VBS last year. Amen. He's been a faithful attender ever since. He started at VBS. He came to Summer Blast. He came to Activate and all other events and Kid Zone worship services and Boy, has he grown in his faith, and we are so, so very proud of him. He's nine today, but he has a birthday next month, so he'll be the big ten, double digits. He loves baseball, very good at it, too, but he loves other sports as well. He's going to try out soccer, I hear. That's pretty cool. Um, he loves science, Pastor Brian, so you yeah. guys All yeah, right. have that in common. He loves science. His, um, he loves um, to attend kids' own services. He um, participates. And he is one of the first ones to raise his hand and ask questions and answer questions as well. He's very smart. We um, enjoy being around him. He's so fun and energetic, always willing to help out. And so um, if you are here today to support and celebrate Noah, please stand up. Amen. Amen. Kid Zone's in the house today to support him. Um, so he's a little nervous this morning, but he told me right away when he, he came up to me and he said he wanted to be baptized. And I said, okay, why is that? And he said, because I want people to know that I have chosen to follow Jesus. Amen. I think that's pretty good, don't you? Amen. Good job, Noah. All right, Noah. Noah, would you say that Jesus is your Savior? 
Yeah. And are you going to try your best with his help to follow him all of the days of your life? All right. Are you ready? Okay. Go ahead. All right, Noah. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we baptize you. like uh, Bill and Michelle to come up and uh, uh, not in the water with us today. We already did that a couple uh, couple weeks ago, but I wanted them to give a chance to, for you to hear uh, their testimony this morning. <laughs> I see the first page. First page, Michelle. All right. Good morning. Um, about a year ago, I felt like, I, like God was telling me he wanted me to go to NYC. I didn't understand this as I felt like the least likely candidate to attend. But I still kept hearing him say he wanted me to go, and as we began to pay for tickets and people began finding out that we were going, we began to get some responses that didn't make it easier for us, um, as we were already feeling awkward about the whole situation. I mean, why would two people who don't have children want to go immerse themselves in 10,000 teenagers? <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, what fun is this? So I remember clearly being in the kitchen at the spaghetti supper fundraiser that we had for NYC. I was doing the dishes and I said, Lord, why can't I just stay in here? Why, why can't I just be, I'm comfortable here. And I clearly heard, I need you to be uncomfortable now. So on I trudged, dragging my feet, praying, not understanding, but still feeling called to go. I mean, I was still dragging my feet right up until I walked onto the plane. Fast forward, let me tell you, these kids are amazing. To watch them worship unabandoned without any reserve was unbelievable. As we attended each session with them, we listened, we sang, we participated, we made friends with them and their sponsors, and their sponsors are fantastic, you guys. It was quite an experience. Now let me say, I was baptized as a child in the Catholic Church and I'd never felt the need to be baptized otherwise until NYC. And I don't know at which point I felt like the whole theme of overflow and water and fulfillment got me thinking about being baptized, but I do know the exact moment when I felt like this is why I had come to NYC, to be baptized. Incredible. Um, on our last day in the car with Pastor Brian and Carol, we were talking about our experience and what we had got this past week. And as I was talking about things, I sensed the Holy Spirit again about being baptized. And when I said it out loud, Bill piped up and said, you know, I was thinking the same thing. To which Brian said, you know, we have a great big ocean out there. And let me tell you, there wasn't a dry eye in the car. Amen. Hi. Uh, mine, mine is kind of similar, kind of the same. Um, I wanted to get baptized before COVID hit. And course COVID hit and I couldn't so I just pushed it off pushed it off and I kept saying eh, I don't need to I don't need to I don't need to but on this trip I'm like my wife I, I did not understand why we were going um, we're there we start seeing kids watching them praise jump carry on praise the Lord cry um, I learned that this trip wasn't about me being with the kids. It was about me experiencing something that I got to miss out on when I was a teen. And if it hadn't been for one persistent little girl, uh, I would have never went. Um, I learned a lot on this trip. I learned a lot from, the, from our teens. Uh, the teens taught me a lot. And I thank you for that. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, if you are here in support of Bill and Michelle, would you stand up and give them a round of applause? Amen. 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 Thank you. And that offer is still open. If anybody else wants to go to the beach, to, uh, we'd be glad to do that. So would you welcome my friend Julie?
with us today. Amen. Amen. This is Julie Bermigio, and uh, so glad uh, Julie is, is part of a mom's prayer group here at, at the church. And Julie, thank you so much for, I know that you prayed for our boys and prayed for uh, other teens within our church, and so thankful for that and her faith. Um, Julie said that she has, uh, she was saved over 10 years ago, but uh, this is not where Julie feels comfortable in front of people. Uh, she was always a little bit too nervous to do that and uh, to uh, uh, come in front of people and make this statement of faith. But uh, uh, she also said it was a sermon a couple weeks ago uh, where I had talked about saying no to the Holy Spirit. And if you say no to the Holy Spirit once and next time it gets a little bit easier to say no to the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit was telling her, Julie, enough is enough. Enough is enough. And so uh, God gave her uh, this verse. I wrote it down because I can't, I won't remember it. So, uh, but in Matthew 16, 24, uh, you know this verse, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. So Julie, I'm so happy that you listened to a sermon, but I'm more happy that uh, you listened to the Holy Spirit. And so thank you for your, your life of faith. Yeah. And so I ask you today, uh, would you say that Jesus is your Savior? Yes. And are you promising to do your best your entire life to follow him uh, your entire life? Yeah. All right. You ready? Yeah. Okay. Let's move over here just a little bit. All right, Julie. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, I baptize you. Kevin, uh, this is my my friend Kevin Bermigio as well, and uh, uh, Kevin, as they've been, you've been coming here for about four or five years, four yeah, years around there, okay. Um, and Kevin <clears throat> serves on our security team. I hope somebody is uh, covering for you <laughs> right now, but uh, um, he's right there. Amen, amen. <laughs> so. Uh, um, Kevin is okay with talking in front of people, and so <laughs> he is going to share a few words uh, for you this morning. Sure. So, um, I've been, I was raised Catholic, so that was kind of one of the things, but um, I've always kind of been looking for uh, a, a church family. never really felt like I needed, or never really felt like I was part of one um, until the day I walked into this church. So, this was something that... Um, I wanted to do in support of, of my wife, Julie, and to, um, you know, really solidify my, my uh, membership in my family here. Uh, it was just something that, that I needed to do in, in order to continue to be the example for my family and to lead my family to be um, one with Christ and, and to continue to follow uh, the Holy Spirit and to continue to seek after our relationship with, with God and Jesus. So. That was really the, the, the genesis of where I was at with, with coming here to be baptized. Um, there was a moment when, when as far as I was, I would say I was saved, it wasn't that long ago. Um, being someone who was uh, on my own since I was around 17, um, just for circumstances that happened with my family, I always thought I, I had to be the one to do it all, do everything by myself. And I ran across an, uh, a situation where I couldn't do it alone anymore. Um, it was too much. It, it, it took a, a, a pretty, um, took a pretty big chunk of, of, of who I was. And, and it, it was a, a, a massive stressful environment for me, uh, both physically and, uh, and, and mentally. So one day I just decided that I needed to, to drop to my knees at that point and say, I can't do this. This is not for me to do anymore. Amen. This is for for you to take, and whatever it was, whatever it is, whatever you need me to to do, um, I will follow. And from that point on, um, I let it go, and and my life has been great, you know, because of it. Uh, not without its challenges, but I know that he is there for me anytime I need him, um, and he is there to lead me wherever wherever he sees fit and I just have um, have accepted that and followed um, 
oddly enough, it is even more strengthening, um, and it's 100% free in order to, uh, to to live my life that way. And, and I thank God, and I thank Jesus, and obviously the Holy Spirit for for their their leadership in my life and their guidance. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> what do uh, you want to come back in with us? You want to stand over here on, on Kevin's right? I want to invite Julie to come back, and uh, your easer helper is uh, with us today. And so um, if you are here to support the Vermigios, would you go ahead and stand and let them know? Kevin, is it your testimony that Jesus is your Lord and Savior? Yes. Yes. And are you, uh, you promise to do the best that you can every day of your life to follow him? Absolutely. All right. You ready? I am. Okay. All right. Kevin, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Thank you. What a wonderful day. Amen? Amen. Amen. We get to, uh, the, the great promise for all of us is that we get that new beginning at any point in our life that we can go to Jesus and say, I need a redo. I need to start over. And uh, so we celebrate with our friends that uh, have been baptized. And thank you for being here. Let's uh, close in a word of prayer, shall we? Heavenly Father, we love, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for being here today and our wonderful worship that we had, bringing in new family members into membership today, and then celebrating you, Jesus, what you have done in the lives of, of these five who are baptized today and a couple weeks ago. Uh, Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you so much for never giving up on us, for always pursuing us. We thank you, Lord, for your just relentless pursuit of us. Because if left on our own, we would go a totally different direction. So thank you, Lord, for your provenient grace uh, of drawing us closer to you. Thank you, Lord, for your saving grace and the ability to say yes to a Savior that would fully forgive us. And Lord, thank you for your sanctifying grace that you love us exactly where you found us, but you will refuse to leave us that way. So Lord, thank you for continually working in our lives. Lord Jesus, you are our Savior. You are our sanctifier. You are our re Redeemer. And we, we celebrate you today. And everybody says together, Amen. Amen. We'll see you tonight at our block party at 6 o'clock. Praise the Lord. <laughs>